to Expounded Universe, Season 18, Episode 9, I, Not a Jedi, the book, I, Jedi, by Michael Stackpole, Chapters 29 through 31, with your hosts, Jeff and John. Let's go! Hey everybody, welcome to Expounded Universe. It's the Star Wars Novel Discussion Podcast, where I, Jeff, talk a long time about weird old Star Wars books by myself. And joining me is John. Woohoo! Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great, doing a little dance. Yeah, doing a bunch of little dances over there. Yeah, just things that whole, are great for a gotta, podcast. Doing kind of like a hustle beat, too. You got that do-do-do-do-do-do-do thing going on. Yeah, man, over here where I am, yeah. things are great. <laughs> What, like two feet from me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good, because they're terrible here. Oh, I know. Yeah. I can see. There's a <laughs> there's a curtain between us. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's just because our union is only approved by God if we don't actually see each other, except through the special recording hole. Exactly. <laughs> we put a mic through the hole in the sheet, and that's how we can record. <laughs> uh, which joke is that? Are we doing Mormon sex or, like, eating those little birds that French people like, or Tolan or whatever? <laughs> Ordlin. No, that's if that's if we each had our own little, uh, little napkin, napkin we had to put over our head and the mic to you know, hide our podcast from God. Can I tell you, one thing that's always bothered me is I haven't seen anyone make this joke yet, and I'm waiting for it. That's called Ortolan or something like that, and it's like a little French bird that's like drowned in cognac or whatever. Uh-huh. But Ortolan is also Max Rebo's little blue elephant species. Uh-huh. And how come we haven't seen that joke yet about anyone eating those little blue elephants while hiding their shame from space God? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we did it. Maybe that's, that should be, that's on us. Maybe we already did it years ago and we don't remember. Done. <laughs> I mean, we didn't do Tales from the, Mo- uh, from, uh, Jabba's Palace. So we, 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 we not still haven't there maxed yet. our rebos. Yes, yet. <laughs> exactly. We still have rebo left to spend. <laughs> uh, but anyway, no one else can use that joke until we get to it. Okay. I'm, I'm going to, I'm putting it in an envelope and mailing it to myself. Yeah. I'm putting a, putting a, da- a date and stamp on there. <laughs> you got to put a space blanket over your head before you eat any Max Rebo. Hide your shame. <laughs> before, I don't know, the, the that fucking Force family that shows up in all the, the worst stories. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the father and the you, son. You and know, the, the, the Skywalkers. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the one I mean. <laughs> that Force family that yeah. shows up and everything. No, I meant the father, the son, the daughter, and the Abeloth. Yeah. Or Aboleth. Or, it's Aboloth. The Abalone. Because Ab- Aboleth is like a D&D monster, and Aboloth is a Star Wars monster. Yeah. And you have to, one of them, you have to wear a napkin over your head before you eat it. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> That's just what Aboloth is into. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. She don't want to see your face. <laughs> no. How, how are you? I am great. Good. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Yeah. Now, uh, anyone who is following us, of course... Current, not just, you know, in the future from now, going back through the back catalog. We were supposed to not be here this week. I was supposed to not be here this week. Mm -hmm. I'm not even supposed to be here today. (laughs) I should be in Washington, D.C., but instead, I'm here recording because of a slight one-hour delay in flight. Fucked 
everything up for me, and I had to reschedule. Yeah. So it will be two weeks. Yeah, so in a few weeks, we're going to have one week off from from Expounded Universe. We considered it taking this opportunity as a golden chance to just have a weekend to ourselves. Uh, but as you can tell from the fact that we are talking, we decided work ethic came first. Yes. Yes. And by we, of course, Jeff means that in the royal we sense. <laughs> I didn't make this decision. You did. You called me a, a little bit ago and was like, I'm on my way over. How's your tax fa- paperwork coming along? And I was like, what are you coming over here for? Stay the fuck away from my house. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the we decided to not do this is definitely Jeff's royal we. Oh, oh yeah. No, I, I was I, like, no. <laughs> obviously, obviously, when you decide you're not sick, you have to go back to work. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fair. I didn't know what the plan was. I was I was I was all set to eat chili and do my taxes tonight. Ah, yes, the American dream. <laughs> that that uh, come on has not worked on OkCupid for me yet. <laughs> Who wants to come over, eat some chili, and do their taxes? You know what I mean? What kind of chili? <laughs> it just keeps getting into arguments about whether or not beans belong well, in it. It's a bean chili. It's a only beans. <laughs> bean and bean alone chili. <laughs> no meat chili, it's just my, beans. It's my, it's my uh, famous one bean chili. <laughs> Any more beans would be ostentatious and showy. Yeah. So, you want to talk about the book or no? Meh. <laughs> but anyway, here we are. We're making the episode. We're making content for you. Mm-hmm. We read three more chapters, and when we last left off, of course, our uh, hero, good old Koran Horan, mm-hmm. uh, had just learned from his grandpappy, who is now apparently like some super He's, scary yeah. information guy. Yeah, he's turned into, like, a high-level government official because he has secret knowledge. Yeah, except which, he's not a government official. He's just, like, like, a retired cop. Yeah, he's like, oh, I have dirt on everyone, so now I have a bunch of stuff because I know dirt on everyone. Yeah, I'm sure that this is supposed to be, like, because he's a good guy, like, he has plan. like, we're not supposed to find this all very troublesome. Oh, yeah, it's just, oh, I used... <laughs> I stole I abused- a bunch of evidence from my, from my old job, and yeah. I just used it to torture people. I abused my job to gather information on people illegally, and now I use it to dangle over their head in order to get stuff from them. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to make it sound like all cute because I'm going to say, like, I keep sending them flowers and they know the flowers are a scary warning or whatever. But ultimately, I'm, it's black- blackmail. I'm blackmailing everyone with information I stole from evidence files when I was a cop. Yep. And that's how he now has a giant house and owns, like, the entire block where Corin used to live. Yeah, now, this is one of those things where you're supposed to be like, wow, this dude's a badass because... Corellia, as of this point, the EU is still under the thumb of of uh, Empire wannabes. Yeah, like the, the Empire is gone, but there's there's enough local Empire presence that that they kind of pretend it isn't. Oh yeah, so they, he's they even changed the you know uh, the Corellian security, so there's no more Corsac. Yeah, it's PSS. There's just the PIS, the Public Safety Service. Yeah, and and uh, so I guess you're supposed to be. Because of that, you're supposed to be like, this Rostec guy is... Oh, he's just blackmailing people that are, you know, shitty to begin with. It's just bad guys. He's like a modern-day Robin Hood. You know, if Robin Hood abused his years of service in the police force to get free dinners. (laughs) It's like like if Robin Hood stole from the rich and kept it all. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of troublesome, especially in this chapter where he takes his son, his grandson out for, like, a night of, of high finance spending on the town. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> the fact that he's like, oh, yeah, we went to literally the most expensive 
fanciest restaurant on the entire planet. Mm -hmm. And then we went to a nightclub that's so exclusive that everyone was like, oh, there's no way you could get in there ever. There used to be a family joke among the horns that even though they had to go there all the time to like arrest high profile people or whatever, they'll never be members because of the extraordinary cost. Yeah, it's so much. And then it's just his grandpa going like, ha ha, oh, blackmail's a good business. Anyway, <laughs> I'm a hero. <laughs> I'm the good guy. <laughs> so that's kind of a problem. But even then, we're not to that yet. The chapter really opens with the two of them sitting, because the last chapter ended with him being like, son, I have some secret information for you, or grandson, I have secret information for you. Uh, and now it's we, in these flowers. It's in these flowers. And we didn't get the explanation. And it was painfully obvious. Well, yeah. Like we guessed it at the end of the last episode that it's going to be genetic material in the flowers. Yeah. He just <laughs> put a code in the flowers. I love, I love that I also guessed a problem for it, that this book just hand waves immediately. Ah. And I was like, isn't that, doesn't that mean that all of your secret information is going to mutate out of existence eventually, like over a long enough time span? And he was just like, no. Okay, moving on. <laughs> no, you see, I've put it in so many different flowers that if they do mutate, I can check it against other flowers and see where the discrepancies are. And you're like, all right, man, sure. That's a lot of fucking computing power for your little dumb secret, but sure, okay, great. Great, man. Why don't you just bury it under your mountain of shit in the yard like you do with your other secret stuff? And it's weird because Rostek, the grandfather here, mm -hmm. says like, oh, and I put it in here because, you know, my old buddy Neja Halcyon, the actual Jedi, yeah. kept going like, oh, nobody, there's nothing should be overlooked, and I figured even if I die, this information will still be out there, and I'm like... Eh, will it though because how many people are gonna go i should really deconstruct the genetic code of this flower Just and then yeah. after doing that go huh i should really run a check with all of this ridiculous amount of genetic code to see if there's anything weird there <laughs> and even if they did do that again you're talking about someone who would then have to then have one that hadn't mutated so far that the information was corrupted <laughs> and if it was he would have to go i believe there is information and i'm gonna go find more flowers <laughs> yeah. to see if i can decode it i do like that we learn from this book that uh the genetic uh, system of humans is identical in star wars to what it is here uh four base pair nucleotides you know yep. uh, the, it's, it's all it, it's all the same stuff it's all gtac yeah and uh <laughs> And amusingly, he's like, yeah, there's just so much extra code in DNA that you're you could just hide whatever in there. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> which is probably true. But I would like it if one or two of the times he was like, I'm going to take this flower and then put, oh, gosh, uh, I, I have a, an insane amount of blackmail material stored in binary on flower DNA. This is going to be an absolutely impossibly gigantic amount of information. Uh <laughs> I, I sure hope it doesn't fuck with the flowers, and indeed it doesn't. They're pretty. Oh, yeah. It's None interesting. of them scream constantly. Because he's like, oh, there's a bunch of code that is essentially superfluous. It doesn't actually get used for anything. Mm -hmm. It's just crap that's there. And he's like, and I just replaced that with this stuff. And I go, yeah, but it's still, it's still code. the same genetic code. Yeah. Even if it used to be just nothing and ignored now you've put a whole bunch of new shit in there yeah you still have little protein sequences running up and down the sides of that ladder reading it and making and, and affecting changes on things i wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these flowers are developing like weird spikes and toxins and psychic powers <laughs> <laughs> and the ability to turn people into zombies 
Yeah, he might be making another one of those. Yeah, one of them black orchid things. Don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we got to check the black orchid and see how much secret police information is on it. <laughs> hey, black orchid, uh, I know you're like sentient and in the forest and stuff. Do you got blackmail info? Oh, please. <laughs> of course. Why do you think I'm black, <laughs> orchid? I'm, I was made by a corrupt cop. What do you think? Everyone, every cool flower is. <laughs> All the cool flowers are made by this guy. <laughs> so anyway, um that's the that, that's the conversation that they have more or less over like lunch uh and, and also kind of checking in and and well yeah cuz they have lunch and all the people there can't know that this is corn cuz he's still got a like arrest warrant out for him yeah so he's still Kieran Halsey on here so they have to pretend that Kieran was a friend of Corin Horns growing up and so they all just refer to him in the third person and whatnot yes uh but eventually he manages to get all these random people out of the house and he's, he's like, like I'm, I'm going to go dig and shit for a while. Anybody want to come with? And they're like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. So it turns out we also established a few other things uh, over the dinner conversation, uh, notably that he knows a lot about Corrin, that he's been using his his many fingers in the information gathering game to follow up on him. So he's like, yeah, I know who you're married to. And that's hilarious. Well, yeah, because he's like, oh, man, you're going to be so pissed. I'm married to Mirax Tarek, Booster Tarek's daughter. And he's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> whatever. How? <laughs> like, well, you see, you used to call me on my cell phone <laughs> late at night to tell me girl problems. And yeah. then you stopped telling me girl problems. So I assume you found someone. And then rather than ask you about it, I went digging into your history. Ah, just what I would have done. Mm, <laughs> yes. Our whole family would. We're the worst. <laughs> I just decided to go snooping around without your permission. But anyway, he does go like, look, if you if you like her and she likes you, then it doesn't matter if your parents hated each other or whatever. You're fine. Get, Who you gives ha a shit? You have my full grandfatherly blessing to plow that field. <laughs> look, I know you're great, and I'm sure whoever has tamed your heart is great, mm -hmm. too. Fuck whoever you want. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Fuck who you want and fuck who you like. <laughs> as long as we're as long as we're citing songs. <laughs> as long as. Yeah. Uh, and he's also like, yeah, also I use my information gathering to watch a couple of times. Great technique, son. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Doing the old horn name proud. <laughs> We're not called that for nothing. <laughs> so uh, anyway, now it's finally time to go out and just discuss the mountain of shit in the yard. Yeah. It turns out there's a huge pile of bantha dung back there, which is weird. I feel like they really need to make up another elephant equivalent or cattle equivalent or something yeah because banthas are i feel like they're just too ubiquitous in in star wars eu stuff they're like a tatooine sand camel cow ox they don't they're not everywhere and their shit seems like it'd be kind of expensive but aren't to export. they aren't they everywhere like, now even if they're not everywhere why is everything using their dumb poop why don't why isn't there a local corellian species why isn't this salonian poop <laughs> why isn't this just human poop <laughs> But anyway, it's just the same thing how every jacket in Star Wars is Rancor leather for some fucking reason. Oh, I know the reason, because you've heard of Rancors. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So they're like, uh, I can't, I don't want to make up an entirely new thing and enter it into canon. I don't want to be like, ah, yes, the Bolivons of this planet produce dung. <laughs> yeah, it's the poop and smutch. <laughs> poop and smutch? <laughs> or or and hardly poopins. counterpart, the hardly poopins. <laughs> Uh, damn it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you don't even need to do that. You can just say there's a big pile of shit in the yard. No one needs to know what animal it came out of. Yeah, there's a big pile of manure for fertilizer. Yeah. But it is very... <laughs> 
important we know that it is Bantha and imported Bantha dung. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yep, all right, right over there. I need you to move like three feet worth of Bantha dung over to the side. I like the part where Corin, who is an incorrigible piece of shit, I gotta say, I don't like Corin Horn very much. I mean, eh. I'm coming, I'm, I'm coming around to being like, this guy sucks. Uh, it, it is the point where he looks at his like 80 year old grandfather leaning on the shovel that he also has. And he's like, Hey, is that shovel for standing on or is it for fucking helping grandpa? Yeah. He's like, Hey man, something wrong with that shovel. And he's like, Oh no, it works fine. Did you need one? Is yours broken? Cause you can have this one. Yeah. <laughs> He's your granddad. His granddad calls him out on the meter. He's like, uh, yeah, this shovel works great. It worked perfect when I put all that shit there in the first place. I already did my work. <laughs> now, shovel. <laughs> so he wants him to shovel that because there's yet more secret information he can have access to if only he gets through this mountain of poopy. Yeah, there's a little, uh, you know, signal jammer thing down there and then a hidden trap door that leads down to a hidden basement underneath the poop mountain mm -hmm. where he has the final uh, remains, not the final remains, Remain but the, the final the, the, uh, uh, effects. effects of Nejah Halcyon, who I, th I think is Cornhorn's actual grandfather. Grandfather. Yes. Yeah. Uh, given to him by a Kamasi Jedi that was the one who worked with him. Yeah. His name was like Iktila or something like that. And uh, it's kind of neat to see another Kamasi so quickly in our book reading. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the fact that they get mentioned, like he sees some pictures of, you know, back when they were in the Clone Wars. And he's like, ah, this Kamasi looks, you know, kind of curious and happy. Unlike every Kamasi I see nowadays <laughs> who looks haunted and sad because their species was almost wiped out yes <laughs> yeah so uh so it's neat to have a reference to the fact that the kamasi species was blasted out just immediately post the clone wars yeah uh but this kamasi uh is still it, it was a friend of of his grand of his real grandfather Nejah. Yeah. and when Nejah died doing something we we have a little bit of a nebulous we get the, one of I these mean, chapters, we find out one of these chapters is the story but even then that story is still kind of nebulous yeah so, but when he, when his grandfather died, he, he was not able to be saved by any means. And obviously they couldn't smuggle his body all over the galaxy. Plus they make mention that he was a Jedi master when he died. And they say like all Jedi master bodies disappear. Yeah. They were like, oh, they didn't bring a body back because he didn't leave a body. Yeah. That part's not necessarily true. Being able to turn yourself into a force ghost is a choice. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, they didn't, maybe he didn't know that when he wrote this book, uh, in any event, the uh, only thing missing is the lightsaber and the grandfather's like yeah we never got that i don't know where it went it seems to be gone and corin's like oh no it's, it's right here i got it i got it here it is it's doing great i've been fucking around with it yeah you want to hear me say silvery light six more times because i'm going to say it every time anyone even mentions this lightsaber hell yeah <laughs> uh anyway uh it, it goes into a little slot in this guy's personal effects that are like a, there's like a shaving kit and some photos and yeah i do like that it wasn't he didn't open this crate of, like, oh, these are the final effects, and it wasn't like, here's a fucking, like, holocron that's got all the information on whatever. It was just, yeah, it was the crap he had. It's fucking robes, yeah. boots, he's got, like, some loose change. Yeah. It's just the shit he had on him when he died. And one thing that's nice is that it was all well stored. His grandfather preserved it so he didn't open up a box of moldering garbage that smelled like bantha shit. Yeah, he's just like, oh, it's all in, like, little Ziploc bags. Yeah, so it's, it's well stored. So he comes out and he's like, this is all very neat. Oh, look, a Corellian Jedi uniform. Because apparently Corellians get to wear 
the same robes as other Jedi, but instead of being sand colored, they're like green. green. Yeah. So that's, that doesn't sound, I don't know, that kind of makes people, I just picture the outfit that Reptile wears in Mortal Kombat. I don't know about you. I was just imagining all the Corellian <laughs> Jedi were like, I'm the Joker, baby. <laughs> but now he's got that outfit, uh, which obviously he's going to keep but not wear because it's a Jedi outfit. That that wouldn't be good. I mean, he doesn't even take anything out of this. No. In fact, this is this is a weird set of chapters in terms of what it means to the overall book. Yeah. <laughs> and we get a nice uh, moment here with the granddad because he's like, oh, you know, I saw some pictures of him with you know, my grandma, which is weird to see, mm-hmm. you know, my grandma with anyone that isn't you. Yeah, because Rostek's whole story is that when Najah died, uh, his wife had died a number of years ago of some re- for some reason as well. And uh, the, he, I, I guess he never had kids of his own. Uh, that or he never got married. Just, I don't know. Married. But but he married Najah's wife because she was distraught. They were very good, close family friends. And eventually they settled in together. Yeah. He adopted uh, the kid and basically mm-hmm. was like, oh, this is how I'll keep you know, your family safe is if you get my name, then no one will think to look for you as like Jedi. Yes. So that's, that's the story of, uh, of Cornhorn's real granddad. And, and it, this is a point where Rostek has a little moment where he's like, Hey, you're the last of the Halcyon family line. This stuff is yours. And I like the line that Corin has here. He's like, actually, just to correct you, I don't like that he has to start it like that because he's just actually fucking, such a fucking douchebag, this guy. Where he's, yeah, point of order, granddad. Where he's like, uh, the thing is, he's just doing it so he can say something nice. He's like, no, I'm, I don't consider myself a Halcyon. I am a horn. Yeah, I'm the last of the horn line yeah. at the moment, not yeah. the last of the Halcyons. Yeah, so that's that's nice. But it is funny that he has to do it in like this uh, point of order, uh, house rule. Uh, actually, I would like to submit this for the approval of the grandfather society. <laughs> Dude, I want to go to the grandfather society. <laughs> I don't know if you killed enough elephants. <laughs> uh, who, who among us can say they've killed enough elephants? <laughs> there are some people and <laughs> <laughs> it's anyone who's killed an elephant. Yeah, they've killed enough. Stop that. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. So. Anyway, uh, at this point, they're like, great, well, let's all shovel all this shit back on top. There's like a, a thing on top of the shit mountain or under the shit mountain. Yeah, the little like, signal jammer. Yeah, signal jammer. So they shovel all the shit back onto the shit mountain, and then it's time for them to go have a night on the town. And they go to the best restaurant where they serve things techno style, which, you know, I assume means it comes with with uh, some sick beats. Well, really, no, it's tapas. It's it's cyber tapas. It's all we we serve it to you so that the plate itself looks like art and that the fucking utensils you use have little hollow projectors that can tell what's on your spoon or whatever, tell you what the flavor you're about to eat will be, and give you a little background on the food you're eating. And I'm like, man, that'd be so annoying. Yeah. I was like, ooh, time to have some stew or whatever, and was like, this next bite you're going to have. I'd be like, shut the fuck up. Off. Let me just have some fucking stew. Then again, that's because you eat regular boring shit. Like, if, if it was to tell you, like, this tastes, uh, you are about to eat a bite of some regular knockoff brownie that was not made in the restaurant, topped with a scoop of Kirkland vanilla ice cream. <laughs> you are about to have some Costco cheesecake. <laughs> you should have notes of cheesecake. <laughs> it's going to have raspberry drizzle that came in the cheesecake package. <laughs> so did the chef. <laughs> Ooh, interesting note. Ooh. <laughs> you are about to eat the 3 4 10 99 meal at Chili's again. <laughs> <laughs> 
you sad bastard. Why did I buy this spoon? I'm not near rich enough or blackmaily enough. <laughs> I just love the idea that it also can tell you stories about the preparation. Yeah. Like, it's going to go into the whole, like, it was the summer, and I was 26. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> just one of those weird blog posts where it takes you an hour of eating your meal before it goes, anyway, so to make this meal. <laughs> now I wanted to be able to do that and also have it do it in styles of various authors. <laughs> <laughs> my mother is a fish and this fish is a rare cut uh change mode charles bukowski <laughs> uh, i was drinking and fucking and <laughs> smoking a cigarette and i pounded this fish this is gonna taste slightly better than the shit splattered on the back of my balls <laughs> i woke up in my own vomit and thought fish <laughs> Anyway, techno style sounds dumb as hell. <laughs> In summation. In summation, it sounds like the exact kind of dumb bullshit that rich sci-fi people would enjoy. Yes. <laughs> but they, they enjoy it a great deal, and there's a bit where uh, Corin thinks the place must be so fancy that there's someone named Sioli Tinta that he keeps referencing, who must be super important because she apparently owns the Starliner lines around here as well. Yeah. I, I think they may have worked together in the past or something, but who knows? In any event, she's a local is bigwig. That the, is that the person, the, like, debutante socialite that oh, he was yeah, that might dating? Be the, yeah, it might be the woman he was dating before. Uh, God knows, I'm not going to remember what we said four yeah, episodes ago. But he remembers that her he, that her son was a professional chef, and so he finds himself wondering if, she's, if he's working uh, in that restaurant. Because of how fancy it is. He's like, hey, she was super fancy. Her son must be super fancy. And this place is super fancy. Yeah. And it's not that they hire the best chefs, just the richest chefs. Yeah. So they probably have Chid Tinta, his daughter, or son. Her son. Uh, anyway, after they eat their techno-style tapas, uh, the system is down. So they decide to go to the fanciest nightclub in Corellia. Yeah. On top the of Space a, Needle. A, a, yeah. It's, it's basically the Space Needle. It's a giant... And... and Thankfully, we don't get that much about it other than that little bit where it's like, we're going to the best nightclub in all of Corellia, the richest, most expensive and exotic. And, and I was like, I'm so sick of fucking Star Wars people being rich. Yeah. And it's, you know, when I heard nightclub, I was like, what, you're going to a fucking nightclub <laughs> with, with your granddad? grandpa? And I was like, <laughs> oh, no, it's a nightclub in that it's like you go up there and everyone is sitting around having snifters of brandy in, you know a very slightly lit area it's one of those fucking sherlock holmes clubs where you're not allowed to talk and you're just sitting in there reading the newspaper people are yeah. all just sitting around on the finest of pillows and being like yes more opium mm. yes please more opium and, and and you're selling that to like a woman wearing nothing but like a, a domino mask yeah and she's like mm, your wish is my commando master and you're like this place is creepy but then again <laughs> oh, so rich old people. rich people <laughs> Oh, this is a place old rich people want to be. Ew. Yeah, I hate this. Uh, oh, there's so many things on the menu that are clearly parts of orphans. <laughs> <laughs> Except apparently the orphan limb, that's just a drink. A oh, skewer of orphan hearts. I don't know about that. Uh, I think I'll just have the square of brownie with a slice of Kirkland ice cream atop. <laughs> it's the same in every restaurant. <laughs> it's always the same. <laughs> So, uh, at this point, we get a little line about how uh, this is the first time where Corn has ever felt like he connects with his grandfather as an adult to another adult. 
as they have conversations about everything except the death of of uh the Halhorn, the guy between them. Yeah, his dad. His dad. We don't we don't they're like both too raw about that still. Well, so, that's that's what it was beforehand cuz they're actually able to talk about his dad now. Yeah. Oh, cuz he's fair, like, yeah. you know, growing up it was a kid to an adult and then I got into the force and it was basically just two police officers so it was very professional. Yeah. And then even when I did grow up I had to send like coded messages in and we barely talked. Yeah. It's like, this is the first time since ever that yeah. I've been able to just talk to my grandfather as another like adult to an adult. <laughs> and I really want to hear that conversation. We all like, can you believe he got murked by a big skink in a six sizes, two small flight suit? What <laughs> a loser. <laughs> what a dingus. I don't, that's got to be the first person in Star Wars history that Bosk actually got. <laughs> Uh, I do also really love in this that Corrin takes this time, having now been to the two fanciest places and in the entire planet that you can go to, and he's like, ah, now I feel comfortable. You know, I wasn't comfortable in the jungles, and I wasn't comfortable on Coruscant, but here in a regular old city, that's where I shine. I'm like, <laughs> ah, yes, here in a regular city, in the very most expensive places you can be, mm -hmm. now you feel comfortable. Yeah, sandwich between a Rockefeller and a vaguely related Rockefeller. Yeah, I'm sure you're very happy. Uh, uh, but anyway, he has, a, he has a fine night on the town with his granddad indeed. Indeed. And then the two of them go back to the big house, and it's time for kind of a, a big dream sequence yep we get to i mean assuming this is all true because you know he's got force powers so probably but he gets a dream about what happened to his granddad mm -hmm. and what was going on and apparently him and two other jedi confronted some dark jedi or some uh, sith i think they're good guy jedi that recently turned in some way yeah because it sounds like they're like, oh, they hey, you used other. to be Jedi, yeah. but you're turning to the dark side. Please don't. Yes, and uh, we, I, I think this is this is supposed to have happened immediately after the Clone Wars, because again, Nijah survived for survived the Clone Wars. So apparently, in the EU storyline, rather than the end of the Clone Wars being Order sixty six and Vader kills everybody, there were still a bunch of Jedi around, and they like thinned themselves out somehow. Yeah, I mean, I assume there was still the Order. Uh, to go kill all the Jedi, but this is supposed to be like a, instead of this happened during the tail end of the Clone Wars, the death of everyone, it was like, Clone Wars ends very brief period, like a couple months where you could fuck around and then everyone died. Okay, I guess that's fair, but yeah. Uh, the other thing he can't do, he remembers his friend Itzgla it's or whatever, the, uh, the, yeah, yeah the, the, the Kamasi. Kamasi. Uh, but there's another person there, only referred to as the Jedi General. Yeah, some and, general. And we don't know his name. Um, my guess is it's Kenobi, huh. because we're not mentioning him, and that guy was a general. But we're not mentioning him as being, you know, currently in a big suit of armor, so it's not Anakin. Oh, yeah, it might not be him then. It might be Impotagios brand, for all we know. Who knows? But in, in any event, um, we don't know who that is, but we do know his Kamasi friend. And then... Uh, they're all standing on a big field somewhere, facing down three more Jedi who also have a leader and a person who's perfect to fight Itzkala and a perfect person, uh, perfect person to fight Nijah uh, Halcyon. Yeah, and they're going to square off. And the it's a, person it's a three v three. It's a three v three. But the only person we're really focusing on, they have a quick conversation. Uh, basically, the bad guys are like, "Look, we're offering you power in a situation where it's, where it's available to grab. We're going to give you freedom from from uh, from your woes." And 
the the uh, good guys respond with like, yeah, we are also offering you freedom. Just stop doing what you're doing and everything will be fine. Yeah, we offer you freedom from your fear because yeah. that's the path of the Jedi. And they're like, or how about fuck you and let's fight. Yeah, we'll murder <laughs> you. And that uh, leads to the only fight of the three fights that matter, which is Nija versus an Anzadi. We haven't seen one of those yeah, in a while. A soup I know. guy. We get a fucking soup guy with his little nose goblins. Yeah, I don't remember his name. Uh, it was like we get it. It's like Tyris or Ty- yeah, it was a pretty Tyrell. regular name. Um, uh, Tinto Brass. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so the Anzadi comes up and is like, "Hey, man, uh, fuck you." And he's like, "Oh, Nikos Tyrus. Nikos Tyrus. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, dude, uh, you want to fucking do this shit?" He's already got his little feathery proboscidey things. Poking he's out so excited he's for got, soup. He's smelling that soup. He's he's at, like, he's at the soup plantation and he can smell that one bean chili. <laughs> single bean mm. and he's hoping today's the lucky day <laughs> when he gets the bean <laughs> when he can get that bean <laughs> it's hard to find the bean in the chili but oh boy if you find it flick it like that bean. <laughs> <laughs> so and and part of what tells us that this guy is a recently minted bad jedi is that he ignites a blue lightsaber yes none of these guys are like ah oh, we are sith mm-hmm. and we've got the red saber and we're all part of whatever yeah they're just like nah man we just fell yeah it's just it's just jedi v jedi fight uh, and Nija has his own lightsaber, which is another excuse to describe it as casting a silvery light. Yep. He's got his, his lightsaber, the silver mm-hmm. one. Yep. So, hooray. so the, the two of them fight and it turns out that Nija is just no match for this, tin, this, this dude. Yeah. Nico Styrus. You know, they kind of swipe at each other for a while and then Tyrus just sort of jumps away and goes, I have telekinetic power. Good telekinesis where I know that your family line, because Lord knows you guys, all of you mention it every chance you get, aren't good at telekinesis. Yeah, I know that just Corellian Jedi in general aren't good at this, and you're wearing the Corellian Jedi outfit, yeah, and letting a, everyone know that you're bad at this. And you're a Halcyon, and Halcyon in, Halcyons in particular have no telekinetic skills. So he is just like, all right, I'm going to punch you in the chest with TK, I'm going to huck a rock at your dome. Literally gets him with a rock to the dome and knocks him on, uh, knocks him down. Yeah, and like he manages to deflect a couple of the rocks coming in, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things where he's like, no, dude, you suck at this. Yeah. And eventually gets knocked by the rock to his head such that he like falls down and loses his lightsaber. He should have used the special power that all that all uh, Halcyon Jedi have and absorbed the energy of the rock. <laughs> rock energy. I mean, rocks a thrown rock has kinetic energy. Nah. Absorb that. Nah. <laughs> nah. And potential energy. It transfers it into kinetic when it hits you. Yeah, I just sit here soaking up the potential energy of everything around me and then I throw a spirit bomb. You know, it's fine. I got this. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But no, he gets he gets beamed with a rock, and then uh, Nico comes on over. Nico comes on over, and he's like, "All right, well, I guess that's the end of you then." And stabs him through the heart. Yes, and he he dives for his lightsaber. Does uh, good old Neja. Yeah, but even as he gets hold of it, he gets stabbed and just absolutely fucked because it's through his heart, like cuts through his spine, mm-hmm. and. In the final moment, he's like, oh, yeah, I do have one dumb trick. I'm going to absorb the energy of your lightsaber. So he absorbs the energy of of Nikos's blue saber. He just, while it's still in him, smoking out the contents of his chest, he he starts pulling the energy into himself, keeping himself alive with the force, and uh, uses the energy from the lightsaber, which shuts off, causing Nikos to do the whole, like, looking at it thing. The fuck? What? Huh? 
and and then he grabs him with a giant invisible force fist and crushes him to death inside of it and then just uses it like a pitcher's hand to fling him backwards through a tent yeah he's like oh i'll just suck all the energy of a lightsaber use that to murder you with a fucking big beast crushing hand which makes me wonder why the fuck does this dude ever get in lightsaber fights <laughs> like just stab yourself with your lightsaber but absorb the energy before you stab yourself you know just go light it up go grab the energy out of it and then just crush your enemies Oh why, yeah. why wait until a big why wait until you're dying? You'd think he'd basically just have a shock collar yes. and be like, all right, and turn on, continually absorb all the energy from this and destroy a dude. Yeah. I don't know why he gets in lightsaber fights. It's pointless. Uh, <laughs> He's like a guy who has a loaded gun but only wants to pistol whip people. <laughs> it, it, weird choice, I gotta uh, I gotta say. Um but yeah. So But he dies. He dies. And that's that is when uh, Corrin wakes up in yeah. a flop sweat and is just like, oh, oh man, that is, that is crazy. And he goes and, you know, has some water and dumps it on his head and he looks in the mirror and sees Naja instead of himself in the mirror. Mm -hmm. And then and, he sees himself and he's like, wait a minute, I'm not a Halcyon. Wait a minute, I'm talking to the man in the mirror. <laughs> I'm asking him to change his ways. <laughs> but this is the point where he has the dramatic revelation that kind of, kind of feels stupid. I'm it, just, just going to say, it, it feels, feels fucked up, honestly. <laughs> a little fucked up. <laughs> to get to where we are in this book, like, fucking 30 chapters deep, and he goes, Hey, I've just realized something, Grandfather. I'm not a Jedi, and being a Jedi's dumb and sucks, and I should never have gone there. I wasted my time, Grandfather. <laughs> Nothing I learned is important. And he's like, wait, didn't you, like, survive a boiling pool and save a man's life and do a bunch of other cool shit? Weren't no. you instrumental in killing one of the most evil things that exi that's uh, existed for, like, the past 4,000 years? Yeah, what I learned could help save the galaxy, but not my wife. And so instead, I'll use all of the teachings of being a horn and i'm just gonna go infiltrate the invids like i should have done months ago instead of fucking around on jedi planet mm -hmm. like an asshole that's right kevin j anderson you fucked up i've been wasting my fucking time he says to his grandfather who tries at least to be like no you know you haven't that's dumb no, especially because the literal next chapter is Horn getting in a force fight again and using the force to win the fight for him to be like, I've been wasting my dumb time. I should have just been using X-Wings and detective skills. I'm no Jedi and I'm never going to be a Jedi. <laughs> I not a Jedi. <laughs> so dumb. Uh, but yeah, he's yeah, he, he gets this, re this realization in the middle of the night to himself. And then the next day he tells it to his grandfather. He's like, I've been wasting my time. And his grandfather's like, no, that's dumb. And he's like, eh, no, but I think it is. Fuck you, granddad. I agree to disagree. I could have been saying, yeah, like you said, I've been learning to save the galaxy, but I need to save my wife. And you're like, I feel like you might want to learn how to save both if you have the capacity, you know? Yeah, I mean, if it's not going to be like an either or, maybe, you know, it's fine that you have both now. Yeah. Plus, I'm sure you're going to get called on to do some galaxy saving later. Maybe this dude is important during the Yuzhan Vong crisis. I don't know. Maybe his wife gets dis inconvenienced in some way during that time. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> inconvenienced. Yeah. I mean, this time it's a horrible kidnapping and it's not great. But clearly, I, I feel like he might like, well, I mean, I should go fight the Yuzhan Vong, but my wife does need me to yell at a Pan Panera employee with her, so... <laughs> I'm torn between two different worlds, Luke. I'm, I don't know what to do. I'm not a real Jedi. <laughs> but I, I am a real worm. I just have this family legacy and lightsaber and force skills. 
but I'm not a Jedi. Ugh. Yeah. This chapter where he just wakes up and decides, fuck that, everything from the last half of this book was dumb and pointless. I'm like, you know what? Then why did you fucking put it there? <laughs> if you wanted to tell a story about Corin Horn being a like detective to find his wife, then just tell that. I didn't need 30 chapters of a recap of someone else's book. <laughs> Much as we have said, you know, oh, I appreciate this ties into the EU more at whole. It's like neat. we get, yeah. you know, some references to stuff, whereas things like Crystal Star are so standalone that you're like, nothing here mattered before or after. Yeah. You never hear anything about the uh, Idonians or whatever they're called. Again, those forearm werewolf people. You'd never hear about them ever again. Yeah. And whereas this was more tied in and we're like, that's nice, but don't just do all that and go, and it stinks. <laughs> so. So with that kind of air, letting the air out of the balloon revelation, <laughs> uh, he tells his granddad what his new plan is. No force crap at all. I'm going to use a, a falsified ID to ingratiate myself into the Invid pirate organization and find my wife using old-fashioned flatfoot detective work. Great. And his grandfather's like, okay, I, uh, okay, I that, man. that seems sure. dumb. Uh, but whatever you want to do, <laughs> whatever you got to do, man. So his grandfather gets him a uh, a new identity. So not only have we spent the whole book being like Kier and Halcyon, I mean Cor and Horn. Now we have to do it again with another name. Yeah. Now he has to be some ex, not quite con. Like he had the whole thing is he's like, oh, you had. He's a Corellian uh, ex-con. Yeah. He's like, you had some trouble in your past, but not enough that you should be in jail. Mm -hmm. uh, and he is. Genos Idanian. Mm -hmm. Genos Idanian, um, which I'm, I, I think means he might be Ar Armenian. But anyway, uh, no, Genos Idanian, who is used to serve with the Rebellion, which makes him a Corellian ex-con. Yes. But he's done his time, and now he's like a used starship dealer, which makes him a very, very wealthy ex-con. Yeah, and, well, wealthy to a point, because part of his backstory is also supposed to be that he has a chip on his shoulder that actual wealthy like other dealers undercut him and fuck him over so he's like oh i want to be wealthy enough that it makes sense that i'm on this starliner mm -hmm. not wealthy enough that i would be just a straight up target and i want it to be that i'm i've got a dodgy enough background that people would consider me to be a pirate and I've got enough of a chip on my shoulder that I would betray where I'm from. <laughs> yes. Um, so it, they, they pick a good choice. He's a, he's a person who disappeared about 20 years ago, so he really existed. And, uh, they're and they all... just filled in the gaps with stuff. Yep. So they, he's absolutely sh uh, assured that this is the right thing to do. And that's his new identity going forward. But he is rich enough that like when he's on the shuttle that he's on to get to the Starliner that he needs to get to where the errant venture is. Like a waitress comes or stewardess comes over and is like, hey, you're super wealthy. We we detected a platinum marker or sorry, an ultraviolet stamp on your card. That yeah, you're ultraviolet, which means you can get places that other operators can't. Praise be to the glorious computer. <laughs> ultraviolet being the sci-fi equivalent of like the platinum credit card is never not amusing to me. And it makes me wonder how long it's going to be before we see Chase Ultraviolet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's coming. I'm sure it already exists, and you and I are just not rich enough to know no, about it. There's no way. <laughs> like, look, you you barely get to know that platinum exists. Okay. 
it has the opposite of a limit. You you have to spend four hundred thousand dollars a day. <laughs> Chase ultraviolet with a minimum limit. <laughs> you ain't spending. You're fucked. Yep. So uh, anyway, he's on a little shuttle now. That's the new chapter. Yeah, he's going to go from this shuttle to another shuttle, and all the shuttles are named the Tinta because of the owner of the company, and then something to do with colors. Yeah, the Tinta Rainbow, and the... they're on the Tinta Palette right now. Yeah, uh, and that's a little shuttle that's going to take them to the Tinta Rainbow, which is the st- the the luxury Starliner that will take them where they're actually going. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> he is next to. A oh yeah, chatty little guy, Sparvy Keat or something. He's oh no, it's uh Kiwi Spart, Kiwi Spart. I I, I need you to know that as I was reading this chapter, and I got down to the point where he's like, oh, I'm talking to this guy next to me, and he's this excitable little engineer. Yes, and he's like, and what's your name? I'm Kiwi Spart. I closed the book. I sighed heavily, (laughs) and I sat for about 15 seconds with the name Kiwi Spart. Yeah, before I went. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't Kiwi Spart just professionally hate the Flash? Isn't that? I, I thought that was that guy. Oh, Kiwi Spart. <laughs> so yeah, he's sitting next to a little little dude, a little a little skinny dude. He thinks he looks a lot like a guy from Cornhorn's past that John and I have no idea who the fuck that is. Some gangly bad guy named Kirtan Lure. Yeah, no um, idea. I I remember his name, so I, I think I've read enough Rogue Squadron or X Wing books or whatever to have encountered him, but I don't remember why. Um, but anyway, this he's another gangly guy, and all gangly guys get compared to Kurtan Lore, apparently. Oh. But he is the kind of guy who's like, hey, are you, are you, aren't you excited we're on this shuttle? It's got a very special type of navigational computer. I'm going to talk about it for five minutes. And I love that it's another chance for Corrin to be paternalistic, where he's just like, ah, slow down, mister. Take a deep breath before talking, and talk in slower words. That way, people will understand you. Yeah, and like, oh, fuck off, dude. This guy's in his twenties. He doesn't need life lessons. <laughs> I don't know. Kiwi Spart kind of needs all the help he can he get. He didn't request him. How about that? He's an adult. Wait for him to ask you for your your thoughts on his mode of speech. Well, this is also he's like, oh, Corin Horn would normally just be like, I don't give a fuck and walk away. <laughs> but uh, my cover. Well, he would be like, ah, yes, I find this all very interesting. Please tell me. Yeah, Genocidanian is pleased. <laughs> <laughs> and I please where I go. But no, he, yeah, he just kind of talks Kiwi Spart into like running his mouth about this shuttle. And that's right about when the stewardess comes up and is like, you're welcome to dine with the captain in his special captain cabin. And I'm like, I feel like if I was on the shuttle to the real ship and I was offered permission to go eat with the captain, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't want to. I don't want to eat a hot dog in the ten minute flight between here and the real ship. Thank you. Ah. <laughs> I'm all set. This is like being invited to de- to dine with the guy who drives the airport shuttle. <laughs> no, I think. See, the way I was reading it is this is one regular cruise liner that he is on. Oh, and it's just going to go to another one. And then it's going one. to a different yeah. one. That 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 might be true. But even then, it's like. They're supposed to be able to look out the window and see the other ship they're going to be boarding. It'd be weird if he had enough time to go dine with the captain. Eh. I guess it's just like an obligation. Like, they have to offer it to him. Yeah, they're like, hey, if you want to come up and see the the cockpit yeah. and get some wings get and get a deck of cards from the captain. <laughs> How are you, Sonny? Do you want to be a pilot when you grow up? Huh? <laughs> Welcome to Pan Am. <laughs> I'm the only person in this book more paternalistic than you. Because <laughs> I'm a professional pilot who actually flies an airplane from time to time. Ah, bird. 
<sighs> that's not a burn on corn horn. He flies all the time. That's all he ever does. He hasn't flown. Re- I guess he flew recently because he flew that Z95 to what's his face's house. Yeah. Exar Kuhn's house. Anyway, uh, it's it's now time for some action. We finally got some action. It's been forever. Yeah, we had several chapters of just hanging out at grandpa's and now. Oh, no. Star Destroyer and a bunch of other Imperial ships are appearing off the bow, which shouldn't really be all that big of a scary proposition, given that we are still in semi-Imperial space. Well, it isn't. I mean, when fucking Kiwi Spart sees it, he's like, huh, there's a Star Destroyer out there. Neat. Yeah. Like, he doesn't seem to give a shit. Yeah. And then they get boarded. Yeah. And then they're like, hey, motherfuckers, we're the goddamn invids and we're here to take all your money and shit. And I'm like, wait, have the Invids been operating out of Corellian interior, like in, in the Corellian solar system? I mean, I'm sure they go wherever the fuck they want. I don't feel like they go wherever the fuck they want. I feel they go like they go wherever the fuck big militaries aren't. No, I feel like they go wherever the fuck big money is. I guess that's fair. That There's that. But also, like, I mean, because their like whole point Corellia is Corellia might be safe harbor because it's still Imperial sympathizers. Well, the whole point of them is we go wherever there's money. And we take shit and leave before anyone can get there, and we have a psychic dude to let us know that it's fine. Yeah, I guess that's fair. That's fair. I, I, I would worry that they 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 would want to stick to mostly raiding like pirate hideouts and smuggling rings and so on. No, because so, everything they hit is like luxury liner shit coming from yeah. rich planets. But not like in the fucking dock. Like that's the difference to me. Is like wait till it gets out in the out in the ocean so, or the space ocean, and then well, hit once it. it's out in the space ocean, it's going into fucking warp. Yeah, I know, but they have Imperial ships, which means they probably have interdictor cruisers. Nah, they don't. So anyway, um, a couple of pirates, like, it's two. Two pirates raid this thing. A couple of guys show up, and they're like, hey, there's only, like, five people on this Space Amtrak, so... Oh, and by the way, because this book does a lot of setup, knockdown, don't forget that a, a rich lady had a hard time stuffing her bag into an overhead locker. Yeah. And her name was Kuwati for... I don't know why we got a name for her. No, her species was oh, Kuwati. she was a Kuwati. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, this Kuwati lady has a hard time getting this bag up up into the thing. And uh, so just keep that in mind because it's part of the cavalcade of fight times. Part of it. Yeah. So basically, uh, as in his role as Geno Sidanian, uh, he's like, I don't want any trouble. So, hey, uh, hands up. Yeah, you guys can have whatever you want. And uh, you're you guys in- are in charge. And he's like, I am in fucking charge. Now, everybody give me all your jewelry or whatever, and it's going to be fine. And Horn starts sending out his fucking sphere of influence. I hate saying that. Um, his, his sphere of responsibility. Sphere of, I hate that saying that even more. Uh, his sphere of influence sounds less douchey. Yeah, no, he puts out his, his sphere his of responsibility what? and is yeah. like, oh boy, I sure would love to be able to calm everyone down or tell these pirates to go to sleep or whatever, but I guess I can't do that now for some reason. And also he then goes, oh, oh shit. Spart's going to do something. Kiwi Spart, who, you know, we had been talking let him know, like, oh, I always wanted to join the Rebellion and be a pilot, but when I tried, they were like, no, you're Kiwi Spart. Obviously, you're not good <laughs> enough to be a pilot. And then I decided, fine, I'll go be an engineer to fix planes. And then it turns out what I'm actually good at is navigation mm-hmm. for starships. So I did that. Yeah, but anyway, he's playing to kind of try and bum rush the larger of the two thugs. Yeah, he and, wants to play hero, yeah. and he's like, ooh, now's my chance. And Horn's like, he's going to bounce off that guy and then get cut up with his vibro knife for fun. Because Kiwi Spart looks exactly like you would imagine a dude named Kiwi Spart looks like. <laughs> yeah, he's a gangly little dude. So Horn, in, the, in, the, in that case, is like, well, now I can't let this happen. So he calls the attention of the main pirate with a gun and basically challenges him to a duel. He's like, hey, hey. dickweed. Fight me. Fuck you. Fight me IRL, bro. <laughs> he's come, like, come over here if you want an ass kicking. 
the fuck did you just say to me? <laughs> and then he's like, all right, I'm going to project into his head the idea that he has already lifted a gun and pointed it at me. And then I'm going to project that I have a holdout blaster that I slip into my hand and he has to shoot quick or else I'm going to shoot him. But in reality, he's only got his hand on his holstered gun. Mm-hmm. So when he has to fire quickly to get, you know, uh, Edanian before he can shoot him, he ends up just shooting himself in the leg. With his blaster set to kill, so he puts three full-on burn blaster bolts into his thigh, probably ruining his leg for life. I mean, given where a ha- holster normally sits, I'm sure he mostly just burned the outside of his leg. I, I, maybe. Well, who knows? He, it says he puts two, three blaster bolts into his thigh, which maybe he just puts some burns on himself. But he's out of the fight, so presumably it's Oh, not, yeah, he yeah. goes down. He's down. And the other guy goes to check on him, and that was the guy that Spart was going to go head rush. And this leads to one of my favorite things we see in these Star Wars novels, the the uh, the old, I can't do this, but here I go doing it anyway, where he's like, well, my, my uh, again, I got to mention us Halcyons, no good at the telekinesis, can barely move anything. But you know what we can do? We can definitely move the latches on overhead cargo compartments. Well, look, this... This latch was straining already to hold this over full compartment, so it barely needs a nudge to get knocked loose. Also, it's really small. And when he says it's really small, I was like, fuck you. The one first lesson Yoda taught Luke was that size wasn't important to moving shit. Huh? <laughs> you tell me that he didn't work that into day one of his Jedi curriculum at the temple? <laughs> Look, this little green guy only taught me like three fucking things, so I'm going to drill those into you. Yeah, except they did. <laughs> we know they did because it was in the book we read. I know, I know. But for the moment where he drops that line where he's like, he's like, well, it was really small. And I'm like, you know better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he also sucks at it. So whatever. Yeah. But he flicks it open and the heavy luggage falls out and bonks this guy, which I feel like this dude's supposed to be the big heavy muscle bruiser. Unless that bag was full of, like, lead. The big thing that happened is he gets hit by that, Mm -hmm. spun around, and then Spart manages to catch him on the chin with the top of his dome. Yeah, headbutts him in the chin. Yeah, he basically gets the best. Like, rather than trying to tackle this guy and bounce off of him, he actually gets a really damaging, like, headbutt into a dude's chin and knock him down. Yeah. I mean, the the reason I kept bringing up the whole thing with, like, Cornhorn's force ability to, like, mind trick people is that he's using his mind trick to make people shoot themselves, and at that point, is it that different from just taking over his mind or whatever, like using dark side stuff? Where's the line where he's like, he's like, oh, well, well thank I, you, Luke. I, I don't know. I didn't make him shoot himself, but I did trick him into thinking it was advantageous to I shoot himself. I did make him think he would die unless he pulled the trigger. Yeah, I'm like, that's pretty dark side, dude. I, I just gotta say, like, it would be, would it be more or less dark side to just mi- grab that guy's mind? And then have him set his blaster to stun and then shoot himself. Well, I mean, how much more light side would it be if it was like, oh, I just pulled the trigger telekinetically and shot him in the leg with his own gun? Yeah, that, that's a really little trigger. He should be able to do it. But, <laughs> you know, the the result is the same. Yeah, the result is almost the same. He does have three big holes in his leg, which he did not need to have. Eh. But anyway, uh, he takes he takes the gun away from the unconscious lead pirate, sets it to stun, puts a, a stun bolt into the guy who's got a bunch of holes in his leg already, and then two into the bigger guy, because he's like, I gotta be sure. Well, yeah, that guy just took a headbutt. It's fine. He could get up, so yeah. fuck him twice. Yeah. Now, uh, at this point, he goes over to the stewardess, and he's like, yeah, uh, hi. We gotta get the fuck out. I'm I'm actually an important pilot. Please let me fly this shuttle, or uh, ship. And uh, she's like, no, we have to wait for the captain. He's like, please, you think the captain isn't dead? He was coming here on a little runabout shuttle. He is gone. Yeah. Look, the captain is either also been detained or dead mm-hmm. so 
he's not showing up, and if we don't leave, we are going to get more of these guys showing up. Yes, and uh, one thing that happened earlier is that when she offered him a chance to go visit the cockpit, uh, Spart was like, ooh, take me with you, take me with you, I want to see that some, some the cool navigation they computer a, they, they have. have. cool computer, I only want to see it. And he's like, ah, I don't think so. But now he's like, hey, little buddy, are you sure you know how to use that, that one random box up there you know how to use? Yeah, it's the super navigation computer that can track a flight path faster than anything else. Yeah, of course I do. You're not kidding now. Lives are at stake. Yeah, I really do know how to use it. Well, All why right, don't you your come name- with me? <laughs> Your name is Kiwi Spart, so I do have to make sure you can actually do anything. <laughs> I don't even know why he's bringing it with him. I feel like, it, or this guy with him. I feel like if he got up to the cockpit and be like, oh, that's a big, complicated Navi computer. Luckily, I'm Corin Horn. <laughs> nah, he's like, <laughs> ah, I got a dude who can run it for me. It's a big old liner. At least I don't have to run the navigation system. And luckily, I'm Corin Horn. <laughs> luckily. <laughs> Horn. Luckily for you. <laughs> luckily for the folks at home. <laughs> so... He's like, hey, little Spartster, why don't you come on with me? We're going to go on a big and flying adventure. And Spart's like, aren't we going to die? Are we going to get run down by that Star Destroyer and blasted immediately? And he's like, well, we're going to do that if we don't run. So here we go. Let's find out. <laughs> and we will find out next week. Yeah, that's the whole expounded universe. <laughs> that's the episode. Uh, he, he plans a daring escape by luxury cruise liner. Yep. With uh, the help of an Eddie Deason Star Wars man. <laughs> uh, fuck Kiwi Spart. No, Kiwi Spart's great. No, everyone sucks. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's where we're at. So we'll see you in, in a week's time with yet more chapters, four of them to be precise, in the next episode. And until we do, hey, why don't stop by? Why don't you stop by our Patreon? and support us at the $2 level to unlock our expanded, expounded universe Star Wars content where we find silly, dumb stories on Wikipedia to tell to each other and to you. That's right. We go find random shit or not so random shit, depending on what we're feeling. Yeah. And we figure out a little bit more about what's going on in the galaxy at large. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that also unlocks all of the bonus content for System Mastery, all the characters that we've made, and all of these various RPGs that we have reviewed. And, of course, you can also bump up to $5, and that gets you everything we do. The TV Mastery, it gets you the Afterthought Monthly, it gets you Discord access to a bunch of hidden channels. Ooh. Yeah, what a great deal overall. And it supports, yeah, without that, we would not be able to keep doing the thing we do. Yeah, we I mean, just, uh, like we said, we just did taxes. And yeah. Boy, Whew. are my arms tired. <laughs> <laughs> we are the broke type of people. You wouldn't think it from our, our illustrious Patreon income. Oh, yeah, but. But, but no, that doesn't go very far. <laughs> Patreon but, you know, takes a lot. We also have to give Patreon some, and then we don't pay taxes until the end of the year, so it ends up being a real shit show around April. We really got to start reporting quarterly. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, hey, thank you all so much for your uh, your awesome support, Uh, and until I see you next time, you know, I'm feeling a little more, like, respectful of the man today. I don't know why. I just feel like he's earned a break, so I'm going to use his real name. I've been Elan Celsabogno. And I keeve sparts. <laughs>